0: Syukur untuk setia rencana-Mu dan rancangan yang mulia Dalam satu tubuh kami bersatu menjadi Mardekar! Mardekar!
1: Hi, good evening and peace to all of you, dear viewers and listeners. Welcome to yet another interesting evening of conversations on world religions. Incidentally, tonight marks the last of a series of conversations on world religions that was initiated and put together by AMIA, which means Archdiocesan Ministry of Ecumenical and Interreligious Affairs. Our aim is to build bridges and promote dialogue with people of different faiths and striving to establish cordial relationship with all. This evening, we shall have our conversation on Christianity to conclude our seven weeks series. Tonight, we have Reverend Father George Harrison, incidentally also my predecessor, both at Amiya and as parish priest of visitations Ramban currently is pursuing interreligious studies in rome actually our acquaintance goes a long way back to the 90s even before he joined the seminary we were together in saint anthony's parish we had interesting times together i believe he has memories as i do now without further ado over to father george to introduce our respected speakers for the evening and get this evening going Father George, over to you. Yes.
2: Thank you, Father Father Xavier. Thank you, my good friend. Um, Well, interesting to to really hear from you, those words you mentioned were dialogue, as well as building bridges eh? Uh, while we interact with uh, people of uh, other faith, our friends. Thank you, Father Xavier. it's good good to hear also about the um, journey that we took ameya as well as the committee members have organized these weeks you know 6 7 weeks of of listening of inviting friends sharing interacting in 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 knowing uh, what what do people do actually how do they practice their faith and how can we relate with each other as well as respect you know so we have we have uh, today uh, as you mentioned, um, some important persons who are here to share with us, to interact and um, give us knowledge more on these, uh, especially the last uh, to that we want to know more is on Christianity, right? So we have with us these speakers. Let me introduce those speakers. First of all, we have the um, Archbishop of Kuala Lumpur, Most Reverend Julian Liao, to be um, sharing with us on this uh, topic on Christianity. Let me introduce uh, Archbishop Julian Liao. He is uh, the president of the Malaysian Catholic Education Council, MCEC, from 2014 to present. And he's the president of the Regional Episcopal Commission for Ecumenism and Religious Affairs. Interesting, right? So he's the man who is overseeing and reporting those uh, important vital points to Rome, I guess, uh, since 2015 till now. And he's also very much involved with the CFM, Christian Federation of Malaysia, uh, and currently in the executive committee. And then he was a former president of the uh, MCC BCHST and currently vice president of Malaysian Consultative Council of Buddhism, Christianity, Hinduism, Sikhism, and Taoism, an interfaith body. It's interesting, isn't it, that we have him to say hi, Bishop? Welcome. Hi, Welcome. George. And, hi, Brother yeah. yeah. Right. So we also have Father William Michael. Let me introduce Father William Michael. Who is the parish priest is well known he has shared before in podcast many times parish priest of church of saints peter and paul banting hi father william welcome Hello, thank father. you for being with us he is also at present the judicial vicar representing kailash diocese at the peninsula malaysian ecclesiastical tribunal thank you and salams jatra to all of you thank you father George. right so, where can we begin? I did mention about the seven different uh, faiths and uh, so we are the, the, the last to come in today. We're going to speak and we're going to interact and know more on Christianity. Remember the word dialogue as well as why do we do this? It's basically, we are in Malaysia in a multicultural and uh, multi-faith nation. We are going to build bridges. We are building bridges. So let me begin Uh, the first question to our Archbishop Julian. Could you tell us um, what are, or what do Christians primarily believe, the key tenets of faith? Over to you Archbishop.
3: Okay, thanks Father George. I will try. We have 2,000 years of of history. Uh, I will try to just summarize maybe in five, Five tenets. Um, we believe in one God. We are a monotheistic religion. And uh, we, as Christians, we call God our Father, uh, as Jesus taught us in that prayer. And He is the creator of all things. So the first tenet is Christi- Christianity is a monotheistic religion. We believe in one God. And yet, believing in one God, we have the what we call the blessed trinity, I mentioned, Father, Son, and Spirit. I need to make it clear, we are not believing in three gods, but one God in three persons. Uh, God the Father is the Creator, God the Son, Jesus, who came incarnated to live among us, and God the Holy Spirit, the ongoing presence of of god as the enabler the love of god uh so to speak between father and son so the third tenet is uh jesus as our savior we christians believe that jesus is both human and divine and uh, he is the savior the one who has come to free us from evil and from sin um i think we have the the i believe the the different creed that that indicates what we believe and i'll just go through quickly as uh, this is unique birth he he lived among us he died on the cross he rose on the third day etc so jesus is this savior and of course the centrality of the cross we believe that the cross of jesus uh is this saving action of jesus and it is through the cross that the world is redeemed and it is a necessity for the salvation of the world and the holy spirit the five the fifth tenet uh, we believe that the spirit is this third person of the trinity father son and spirit and uh, it is this spirit who acts as a comforter, who is, his presence is here in the world, and it is also known as the advocate uh, to to be with us to the end of time. So in a nutshell, these are the five tenets of, uh, of Christianity.
1: I think the line is, Father George, is not able to come in. Okay, maybe, uh, Your Grace, maybe we could ask you another. The next one would be, we see many churches with names like Catholic, Methodist, Lutheran, Evangelical and others. What's the difference? I'm sure many people are curious to know about these differences. Maybe, Bishop, Your Grace could share a little bit on these differences.
3: Well, I will let maybe Father William, he has uh, prepared something to say on this. I will add in a little bit after we hear from him.
4: Okay, thank you, Great. Your Grace. Thank you, Father, for that question. Thank you. Um, very briefly, uh, very briefly, like what Bishop said earlier, uh, we are speaking of a very rich history, yeah, uh, a very rich history, and uh, I have to condense it tonight. But nevertheless, given the short time, I'll try my best, yeah. Uh, just to begin with, Christianity uh, is broadly split. or or divided into three branches, yeah, into three branches. Namely, we have the Catholic Catholic Church, then we have got the Eastern Orthodox, the Eastern counterpart, and we have got the Protestant counterpart as well. So just to recap, we have got the Catholic Church, we've got the Eastern Orthodox, and the Protestants. The Catholic branch, uh, or rather the Catholic Church, rather, is governed by the Pope in communion with the Catholic bishops around the world. uh, We have got one supreme leader, one leader. Uh, The Orthodox or the Eastern Orthodox, commonly known as the Eastern Orthodox, is split into independent units, units, each governed uh, by a Holy Synod under the leadership of a patriarch, a leader uh, called a Patriarch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's no central governing structure, such as the Pope or the Eastern Orthodox yeah? or the Oriental Orthodox, or so we call them. And uh, within the Protestant Christianity, there are numerous, numerous denominations, many of which differ in the interpretation of the Bible and understanding of the church. The different churches that we have, as the question answers, uh, came about because of the differences in the way they view church leadership, they view or the understanding of certain beliefs, worship, and other matters. For more than thousand years, there was generally only one church, known as the Catholic, meaning the universal, yeah, um, universal church. But in 1054, just a bit of history. In 1054, it split, or rather, it split into the Catholic Church between the West, which is the Latin Church, which all of us belong to, a majority of us belong to here in Malaysia, and we also have got the Orthodox or the Eastern counterpart, which is the Greek Church. Yeah, and then, and then around 1520 onwards, the Reformation movement took place. Uh, so, in conclusion, this led. To the Catholic Church being further split, leading to the formation of the Protestant Church. And within the Protestant Church, within the Protestant Church, there were further divisions, which led to uh, churches such as Methodist, Lutheran, Baptists, and so on and so forth. So in recent years, more new churches have emerged, which are broadly known as Pentecostal churches, which have come uh, of late. I hope I've answered the question. You to add
1: on? Yes, interesting. Actually, uh, rather than looking at the differences, the beautiful thing is Christ is the centrality of all our faiths. So that brings us all together. So when we meet somebody on the street, we don't ask them which what what is what are our differences, but we say we all Christians, and that's beautiful. Uh, thank you, Father. I think Father George is back online, and we we can call upon him to share on the ask the next question, perhaps Father George, welcome back. <laughs>
2: thank you uh, father go ahead father okay uh, so
1: maybe uh, i will ask uh, archbishop again uh since we are speaking about the churches maybe bishop or even father william could address this question where and when did the first church start any one of you could uh, could uh, address this question
3: so uh i will i will just attempt to say a few things I mean, there are different versions, the church started uh, perhaps at the cross where blood and water flowed from Jesus' side. Uh, it started at Pentecost, but uh, the early Christian church began in Jerusalem uh, and the surrounding area and it grew out from the Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we know Jesus and the disciples were were, were Jews and The first Christians uh, therefore did not meet in churches so much, they met at the local Jewish synagogues. hmm? And if we know during the persecution in the catacombs, so to speak. um, The early centuries, uh, there were Rome, Alexandria, Antioch as prominent centers of early Christianity. And from the Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter 11, verse 26, we read that in Antioch, uh, which is in ancient Syria today, that the followers of Jesus were first called Christians hmm, in Antioch. So Saint Paul was one of the main leaders of the early church. And uh, he believed that the good news of Jesus was for all, not just for Jews. And this led Paul to set up Christian churches Throughout the Roman Empire, uh, including Europe and even into Africa, and Paul, by the way, Saint Paul is also regarded as one of uh, as an apostle, not the original twelve, but uh, an apostle too. So these early believers, uh, as I mentioned, uh, did not have a church building to meet in. Uh, they met in homes, um, and due to the persecution of the Romans and all they met in secret and uh, the first church buildings itself did not start to appear until in the early 200 AD. So to to answer your simple question, <laughs> it started off in uh, Jerusalem.
1: Yeah, okay. I think we can't deny the fact that it is historical when we speak about when it started. It has to be historically based. La, so, so definitely I think many people would be curious and would have been uh, able to recognize this answer that Bishop has given and know that for themselves as well. Don't you think so, Father George? Uh, I think that's a good one. So,
2: Father George, maybe yes, you could yes, answer. Yes. Yeah, but, but people also wants to know um, where can they uh, know what are the sources of this truth for Christians? Perhaps Bishop or Father William can add in a little to that point, knowing that it has all started from Jerusalem. What are the sources of how can
3: we know this? Uh Father William, I'll go first uh. <laughs> and, uh, yes, I'll answer the easy ones, the difficult ones are leaving to
0: you. Uh,
3: so of course the Holy Bible, uh, we know that's the uh, source the authority of, of us Christians, uh, the teachings of, of the church of God can be found in, in, in the Bible and uh, all christians regardless of denominations uh regard the bible as the starting point mm, of uh of this as a guidance to our faith and we know that there are two parts to this bible the old testament the new testament um i think later uh yeah we will talk about the the, probably the different books the different numbers the Protestant ones, the Catholic ones. But we'll try to look at uh, what are the commonalities. So uh, just a bit of background, the original languages that were used in the Old the Old Testament were in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the New Testament was in uh, Greek. But today, we can find the Bible. The Bible today... Uh, can be found in so many different languages and even dialects, in dialects too. So, I just need to mention since uh, I'm a Catholic, uh, if I don't mention this, uh, it's just, just to say that apart from the Bible for us, we also have another source which is called Sacred Tradition uh, with a big T. And this is the living transmission of the message of the Gospel in the Church. Uh, the oral preaching of the Apostles, which are not found in the Bible, in the written word, but it's an oral tradition, and both the living tradition the, uh, and the written scriptures uh, form the source for, for us Catholics at least, um, which is the revelation of God in, in Jesus Christ. So the Bible is the, the, the main source, But uh, as Catholics, we also have the living, uh, sacred tradition of of which. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Your Grace. You said about the Bible as the the main source, and uh, it is uh, the living bird. People seem to find life and meaning in these books. Now, these books are all over the world. It comes in many languages. I just bought one Bible, you know, in uh, Italian, this is latest in Italian. Of course, in Malaysia, I have Tamil. We have in uh, English, Bahasa. And if we go to Borneo, there are different languages. So perhaps I would like to ask Father William, could you just briefly tell us how can I perhaps open and get to understand where can I see and How can I read it or how can I understand? And what should I do in order to uh, promote a uh, uh, kind of a reading and knowledge of 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 knowing what's in there um, and also keeping in mind that you know many people know about the different versions some they say this Jerome version some they say uh, another version
4: you know there's
2: this mention so maybe you can explain on that father
4: sure father i'll try uh, I'll, I'll begin with what is the bible yeah what is the bible uh, a bible is a collection of books uh, it's a collection of books it is respected as a sacred book by christians uh, a sacred book by christians it's like the holy book for us uh, and we believe it is inspired by god it is divinely inspired yeah it's divinely inspired and it has the status of authority compared to other books that we have in our library or in our bookshelf, yeah? And um, who wrote the Bible? uh? Who wrote the Bible, or how is it structured? Uh, Very simply, the books of the Bible were written by different people at different times in history. And as uh, Archbishop rightly said, they are divided into two uh, broad categories, yeah? The Old Testament, as well as the New Testament. And uh, they are written by different groups of people, these are writers who lived in different places and in different communities at a particular era, at a particular era, yeah? And they wrote down the traditions, the stories that was happening there, the prayer, the beliefs of the community in which they they lived, in which they lived. So that, you know, that that kind of like came about each book, each book of, both the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, yeah, as well as the New Testament, and they also selected the writers, yeah. They also selected materials that already existed in the community, the the ancient manuscripts, yeah, the ancient manuscripts, and refined it with additions, subtractions, as well as amendments, and so on and so forth. And the writers, uh, who were they? Uh, some of them were lawgivers, prophets. Teachers, names, uh, the names usually mentioned as titles of a book like Joshua, Jeremiah, uh, and so on and so forth, Isaiah. yeah. And uh, how did Bible take this present shape? Allow me to just share with you very briefly. Uh, the Old Testament books, yeah, they were written by the ancient Israelites. And among these books, some were selected by the leaders as authoritative for example, the book of, uh, you know, the, the Torah as we call it, the Torah, uh, which is the holy book of the Jews, holy book of the Jews. And Jesus himself, he read and prayed with the Torah as scriptures tell us, recorded in the Gospels. And Christians believe that the Old Testament foretold, it kind of prepared, foretold the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. And Christians later wrote books on Jesus and on his teachings. And these writings eventually they became part of the New Testament, which is the second uh, or or the second part of that makes up the Bible. Uh, As Archbishop also said that uh, just to give you a bit of history, by fourth century, most Christian churches, yeah, most Christian churches then. Uh, kind of like decided that the Bible the Bible the Christian Holy Book will contain 46 uh, 46 Old Testament books for for Catholics and 27 New Testament books uh, for Catholics and whereas for the Protestant or the non-Catholic Bibles if I may say uh, 39 Old Testament books and 27 New Testament books the Catholic uh, the Catholics, we call the seven books that the Protestant brothers and sisters uh, or the non Catholic Bible uh, has not included. We call them deuter canonical. Uh? Whereas the Protestants, brothers and sisters, will call it apocryphal uh, apocrypical books. And uh, what are the seven books? What are the seven books? The seven books are Tobit. Judith, the book of Wisdom, uh, the book of Sirach, the book of Baruch, the book of 1st Maccabees, 2nd Maccabees. And there's also a bit of uh, seven chapters from the book of Esther. There are seven chapters and also two chapters and a prayer from the prophet Daniel's letter. Yeah, book. So these are the seven books uh, that is included in the Catholic Bible as opposed to the non-Catholic or the Protestant Bible.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Father William and Archbishop. I think both of you have, have really mentioned or perhaps explained to us the two great pillars that every Christian will look up to, to worship and to give thanks to God and to celebrate life. You know, One is the Bible and the other is the tradition that is rich uh, that we have in the church. Beautifully both of you have put that. What do you say, Father Xavier, if you want to expand on celebrations and worship God? Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Along that line, maybe uh, Bishop, uh, your grace may be able to share with us, what are the primary celebrations that are universal to all Christians? And tell us maybe a bit of the significance of the celebrations, because this would also help uh, people of other faiths, our friends who are watching, may be able to know also Besides uh, the very well-known Christian celebrations that we always speak about, like Christmas. Maybe Bishop could share a little bit on that.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, I will share it now. Uh, perhaps we could come back later. I'd just like to add something uh, on what Father William said just now about the different books. Maybe we could take it later. Uh? Why the difference between the uh, Catholic version and the other, the other okay. versions? Uh, for now, yeah. Since Christmas is coming, uh, I will. As we all know, Christmas is the birth, the birth of Jesus, hmm? and we know many scenes of the nativity. We see all the animals and all at the crib with the shepherds. So Christmas, as we all know, uh, twenty fifth of December, uh, the birth of the Saviour, the birth of Jesus, and four weeks before christmas what we have this season of advent the coming the coming of the savior time of preparation uh for the birth of jesus so advent is 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 uh, a time of preparation christmas as we know the birth of jesus um and then we have the epiphany uh the visit the manifestation of 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 jesus to the world or the visit of the three wise men uh, the, the Magi um, this is another celebration um, of course we have Easter and before Easter we have the season of Lent uh, a period of 40 days leading up to the celebration of Easter um, so Lent also is a time of uh, fasting a time of prayer uh, to prepare for 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 easter and what is easter easter as we know is part of this uh celebration of of the resurrection uh, of jesus um and that whole week we call holy week Um, it may be we may have heard of palm sunday where jesus goes into jerusalem Riding on a donkey, we may have heard stories. Uh Palm Sunday with palms being waved, Hosanna uh, coming into Jerusalem. Jesus was looked upon as a king. Um, and then we know we have uh, holy Thursday, the washing of the feet, another the Last Supper. I think we are very familiar with that painting. Um that is the meal that Jesus has with uh, the final meal with his, uh, his apostles. And then Good Friday, another celebration um, where it is a holiday in some places, I think in Sabah, Sarawak, Singapore. Uh, for us here, it's not a public holiday, but yet uh, many take yes. leave uh, to go to church to, to, kiss, to kiss the cross uh, as, as the sign of uh, the cross that saves so good friday and then we have of course the crucifixion on good friday and then easter easter where jesus laid in the tomb and then he rises from the dead on easter sunday so these are of course the ascension the ascension of jesus um after he rises he is on earth and then uh, 40 days after he has uh, risen this is the ascension uh. he goes he goes up into heaven and then Pentecost 10 days later or 50 days after Easter is the descent of the Holy Spirit Uh, we believe uh, after Jesus is has ascended then The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, uh, descends and continues um, to reveal all that uh, Jesus has taught us. And another day, perhaps uh, All Saints' Day, um, which is uh, coming up 1st of uh, November, Uh, we also celebrate. And um, yeah many christians the orthodox the anglicans also celebrate this uh, with the catholics all saints day so these are common to most christians uh, and there are other celebrations that are unique to some christian denominations um but these are the general common ones Uh, my apologies if i have left out some of the other denomination ones but um yeah, these are just the general ones. Thank you.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Uh, your Grace, thank you so much for the sharing on those things, those beautiful celebrations that all Christians are celebrating together. The significance are so rich and so beautiful for our salvation. Father George, won't you agree with me?
2: Yes, I, I do oh. agree with you, Father. You know, celebrate is uh, really uh, brings one another, bring all of us together. Uh, not only worshipping and giving thanks also at the occasion for us to pray for people of other faith pray for others for instance on good friday we pray for people all over the world you know of of sure. all faith as well so that brought to my mind as bishop was sharing thanks your grace
1: yeah, just now Bishop was mentioning about versions, different versions. Otherwise, we might forget. People might be <laughs> on the age of six to wonder what Bishop mentioned about a version. Maybe we could ask uh, either Bishop or Father William. Uh, we said there are many versions of the Bible. What's the difference? Maybe any one of you could just share with us.
3: No, I was just mentioning the, in general, the Catholic have seven extra books. It is because uh, the we use the the greek books also that were part of the the sacred sacred scriptures in the early church Um, we accepted all 46 books uh, that father william mentioned this was uh which the seven were written the rest of the old testament and all were written in hebrew but these seven books that was that were mentioned by father william were written in greek the early church uh, 100 bc um so so these books were written in greek when when martin luther um what you call um broke away or and uh he he took the hebrew version of the bible to be translated and the hebrew versions did not have these seven books that were written in greek um they were they were uh, excluded during the Reformation, and of course, uh, from that time, and it went through a little bit of evolution. It was left out from the from the Protestant uh, uh, Bible. That's why they have these seven books less, uh, because they used only the Jewish uh, uh, books that were written, not the Greek ones. Uh, whereas the Catholic Church used uh, both the Hebrew and the Greek books, which made up uh, 46 in total. And uh, that's why the numbers differ. Um, yeah, just to highlight that point only. Thank you. Uh,
1: thanks, uh, Grace. I think both Father Williams and uh, Bishop's sharing on the scriptures should prompt many of us to start reading and, or look up the text Different at least start yeah. with the context and see and start reading more people, you know, that will be a very great uh, you know, insight that, you know, we'll discover much more from the scriptures. Uh, Father George? Many, think, many uh, people discover
2: this uh, reading and living of it on a daily basis. For some, because they may not have time, but they have uh, enough time on Sunday, you know. So they really turn either now online or before they used to gather in church and they pay attention, you know, to the readings as well as the sermon that is given by the Breeze. That brings me to mind when I went to Jerusalem for pilgrimage and I saw on a Friday evening everybody was rushing home. Why? The roads were empty and uh, nobody were working on Saturday and they said the answer is Sabbath. Well, in, yeah, you know, so well, perhaps I would up, like right? to touch on Sabbath and as well as for a Sunday. It's an important day. Now, put all together in our worship, giving thanks about the book, the Bible and all, I would like to invite uh, Archbishop to to tell us about what is Sunday and how do we understand the word Sabbath day and what does that mean?
3: (laughs) Uh, I think you can answer it depends. You're a Jew or a Christian. They had different (laughs) meanings. Uh, I mean, the world was created in, in seven days, or rather six days, and God rested on the seventh day. You know, and uh, you remember the Ten Commandments keep holy the Sabbath. Uh, God rested. So, that version uh, on the seventh day, uh, God rested. So, that day of rest uh, in the early church, the, 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 the Jews, they saw that as the Sabbath. But then, the Christianity later found that Sunday. I think the Sabbath in the early early church was from Saturday um uh, Saturday. And there were different times in history where some even considered two, Saturday, Sunday, as 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 the day of rest and all. But for us today, I think Sunday has become that um uh, that day of rest. Uh, that day of rest. Where God rested from creation, and we honor the resurrection of Jesus from the tomb. Uh, Jesus rose uh, on that. Was it on the first day of the week? You no, know? first day of the week. Uh, so for us today, uh, Sunday. Uh, Sunday has become that day of of rest for for us uh, Christians, and yeah, Sabbath sabbath just means just means rest and uh, to remind us that um, yeah we need to also balance our our life with with rest and that rest also to give worship to give worship to god on that day on that day of rest or sunday uh, i don't know whether i made myself clear but uh, the rest can jump in and enlighten our listeners more
1: yeah bishop you mentioned about worship you mentioned about worship i think maybe you could ask father william the modes of worship among christians uh, maybe you could give some examples because when we speak about worship people are identified with certain postures and all so maybe the modes of worship father you could share with us a little bit on the modes of worship among christians
4: sure father i'll be more than happy to do that Wonderful. Uh, modes modes are commonly known as uh, ways of worship in a layman's language Yeah. has evolved evolved over 2,000 years in the church in different parts of the world. And uh, based on language, uh, based on culture and social settings as well. For example, the modes of worship in the Catholic and Orthodox Church, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church, uh, they have many similarities, such as the celebration of the Holy Mass or the Eucharist, the celebration of the sacraments, the devotion to Mary and the saints, and also the use of signs and symbols in our worship, yeah, especially in the celebration of the sacraments. Uh, whereas in the Protestant churches, uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, they also they also have modes of worship. But there are also differences in the way they worship. Yeah, uh, some of the older Um, meaning the mainline Protestant churches, they have certain similarities with the Catholic and Orthodox churches in the way the way worship is carried out. And more recently, Protestant churches in general, yeah, in general, they prefer a mode of worship that is focused mainly on um, praise and worship. uh, Praise and worship, the charismatic way of prayer, and also using uh, Bible or secret scripture. Ultimately, the different modes of worship, uh, whether uh, it can be praise and worship, it can be the celebration of the Eucharist or the sacraments. Yeah, uh, the different types of sacraments. Uh, we all have only one goal, that is to lead to lead a person to worship and to have a closer relationship with God, our Creator, and to 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 be obedient to Him. So basically, yeah, that is Mm -hmm. what the modes of worship is all about. Uh, Yeah, interesting, Father. uh, uh,
1: Yeah, I think that's very interesting um, modes of worship, uh, which really identify people with uh, their connection with God through their whole uh, entire self. I think uh, the other thing just now, I remember Father George mentioning you being the judicial vicar. So, I think it is only Ab that I ask you the next question addressed to you. What is the moral code for Christians that, uh,
4: Christians that you could address as? Okay, thank you, Father. Sure. The common, uh, uh, let me begin with what the common moral code for all Christians across the board, uh, for all of us, is found in the Bible, which is our holy book, uh, which is our sacred book. Uh, found particularly in the Ten Commandments uh, Ten Commandments which is in the Old Testament and uh, also in the Beatitudes uh, the Beatitudes which is in the New Testament. Yeah? And over the centuries over the centuries churches have interpreted and expanded the moral laws found in the commandments as well as in the, as well as in the Beatitudes into hundreds of laws. Uh, this is basically to address the needs of the time, the needs of the time. And for example, the fourth commandment, yeah, which I'm sure all our listeners out there, they know it by heart. Huh? You shall not kill has been expanded into church laws to forbid uh, abortion, uh, euthanasia and so on. Uh, however, Jesus teaches us that all these many laws that we have, can be summarised into the double commandment, which is, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. This is the foundation, eh? or the basis for all the laws we have in our churches today. Basically, it means that if we say we love God, eh? I love God. We also have to love people. We also uh, have to love our brothers and sisters that we live with, that we interact with, that we see every day at our workplace, at uh, at college, at school, in our parishes, in our churches. And most especially, we are called to love the poor. To call, uh, we are called to love the marginalized and those who are oppressed or discriminated we are called to love them we have to also to care for them not only to love them but to care for them regardless of their ethnicity their religious belief their social and economic background this is why uh, this is why jesus even asks us to love and bless our enemies and to pray for them uh? it is not easy uh? it is easier said than done as the saying goes but as difficult and challenging as it can be, but this is the part of our response as a Christian.
1: Excellent, Father, really beautifully shared. I think this is what even Amia is doing, precisely to reach out to the others, you know, to love one another and to reach out to the others. I think that is a classic uh, example we all have to practice. Thank you, Father, for the beautiful uh, insight and uh, really beautifully shared. (laughs) Maybe uh, over to Father George.
2: Okay. Well, Father mentioned about moral code. I I was thinking about what happened in primary school. We had political moral, thank God. And uh, we were people of other faith all together in one class. We had interesting stuff, you know, learning, you know, when we were kids. And later on, you know, we see that even mentioned in Bible and in during our catechism, we we learn a lot, even seminary days, even now. And, and so thanks, Father, for, for bringing that to mind. With that, I would like to um, pose a question to Archbishop Julian, something that we all want to avoid answering. I remember students will be coming on to visit me at the parish asking uh, some questions. And most difficult for me will be also to, to handle would be the question on Christians. Um, what do Christians believe about life after life while on earth itself is so difficult and and how are we to explain about life after? Well, to you, Archbishop.
3: I also not very sure. I haven't been there. <laughs> have <to> be. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what what we 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 understand at least from our tradition, uh, where Jesus has been, we are also to follow. You no, know? and we know Jesus died, uh, rose. From the dead and he ascended into heaven so uh our faith i guess we also believe that death is not the end we as christians believe there is life after death there is life after death Uh, and i've i still remember what we studied in the seminary the last things the last things are death judgment heaven and hell death, and then judgment, and then whether we go to heaven or hell. So these were the last things that uh, that I remember also from the seminary. And uh, basically, yeah, where our shepherd has gone, and we know Jesus rose and ascended, and is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And we believe we too will follow one day. So this is, this is the faith that we have. Um, it is always said, uh, at least I preached it many a time, um, Christianity, they say, is a difficult faith to live in, but a good faith to die in. Because if you have lived faithfully, you are assured of everlasting life. And uh, we believe in that, life after death, everlasting life, um, beyond the grave. And that is that is our hope to live forever with, with God in heaven, eh? not somewhere else in heaven. And that's why the moral code to live a good life, to live a holy life, um, was or is is our, and to save souls basically. Uh, to save our souls and to save the souls of others and uh, that seems to be our our mission uh, to share to share the good news and to to help others get to heaven also yeah, thank you yeah.
1: except I, I remember when I was growing up days uh, uh, you know they, when I was growing up people I always they say you're a Catholic. And they say, you're a Roman Catholic. I said, I'm a Malaysian Catholic. Why <laughs> Roman Catholic? So I used to wonder, maybe you could share with us, because many people would like, also like to know, what is the significance of the word Roman that is attached to this word, Catholic, Roman Catholic? Maybe uh, your Grace, maybe you could share with us a little bit on that. Many young yeah. ones want to know also.
3: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think uh, Roman here means that uh, we are in full communion with the Pope in Rome simple simple answer uh, because uh, there are also as you know the different churches uh, different protestant churches uh, there are also different uh, there are also catholics uh, different um, what we call uh, they call themselves catholics too but uh, they they belong, perhaps, to the Ar- Armenian Armenian Catholic Church. They've got the different different. Uh, I think there are about 20,
4: Twenty-three,
3: Yeah, uh, 23, uh, yeah, different uh, Catholic Catholic churches. So this is the Roman Catholic, where we are in full communion with with uh, with the Pope, and uh, this is this is the slight difference. And sometimes it's also known as the Latin rite. Uh, there are different rites, the Ambrosian, different, different rites. Uh, maybe Father William can add on. But uh, we're all Catholic, but there are the Roman rite, and they've got the different, uh, I think, even in India, closer to us, you now they've got the Siro malabar Siro Malankara, uh, different, different kinds of rites. Antiochian, or rather the Utopian, right Ukrainian uh, Catholic Church. So these are all Catholic, but uh, diff- with different rites. And uh, the one, as I said, the Roman one, we are in a full communion uh, with the Holy Father in Rome. Father William, you want to add a bit more?
4: Uh, yes, uh, Bishop. I don't remember by heart the the rites, but uh, yeah, just to follow up from what archbishop has said uh, the catholic churches i remember the first day of canon law school uh, first day of canon law school so the professor came in and he asked us he said ah all of you are future canon lawyers huh okay first question how many catholic churches are there so we all put our hand we say one latin church roman catholic church He said okay your bishops have trusted you so much to send you here huh Okay, (laughs) so uh, so the answer is the answer is he said, Oh, yes, there's one Latin church which is the Western Church, yeah, which is the Western Church, as I explained earlier. Then we also have got another 23 uh, Eastern Catholic churches, as Archbishop said, Eastern Catholic churches, and the Latin term that we normally use here is sui juris, sui juris. Uh, Sri yuri simply translated in English as self-governing churches, uh, self-governing. So if you to answer that question, would be 24 Catholic churches, 23 Eastern Catholic churches plus another one uh, Latin church. So the, the correct answer, he said, is 24 Catholic churches, 24. Only one Latin, which all of us belong to uh, by virtue of our baptism. And we have got another 23 sui juris, or self-governing churches. And we have got five rites, yeah, five rites. Like Archbishop said, for the Latin church would be the uh, the Latin rite, as well as the Ambrosian rite, which is used in Milan, uh, which is used in Milan, the Ambrosian rite. Whereas for the Eastern Catholic uh, uh, counterpart, they've got five rites, uh, which I can't remember. <laughs> uh, but they've got five Rights and um, the 23 Catholic Churches, they come in one of these five rights. Okay?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes, uh, maybe... Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, yes, Father, you tell us.
1: Uh, because then you're mentioning about the Churches and then mention of Rome, Bishop was yeah. mentioning about Rome and Pope, maybe a little bit of the significance of the Pope because it seemed to be quite important to the Catholic. So maybe you could just share with us the significance of the church in Rome
3: and the Pope himself. Uh, maybe to share a little bit, Bishop. Uh, yeah. Um, I think our current Pope, Pope Francis, is, is the 266. I think. Um successor of the Bishop of Rome, the first bishop, uh Peter, Saint Peter. Huh? Our Holy Father is the successor of this uh, um, from the from Saint Peter. So he's, he's the Bishop of Rome, and uh, you know, in those days, Rome was the center the center of, of civilization in, in the early in the early days, and an important center of 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 uh, of faith and the center of the roman empire and peter peter was martyred martyred there in rome and also this uh it became the seat uh, the seat of the catholic church and rome became this um the seat of the catholic church and the pope was the bishop of rome and therefore um that that um what you call that title uh, the the Roman Roman Church or the church the bishop is 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 that 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 bishop of Rome and therefore the head of the Catholic Church as the Pope um, so he speaks he speaks um, when he speaks in in ex cathedra uh from the chair as the head of the the catholic church we as followers uh, are bound to especially in areas of faith and morals we are bound to uh obey in faith and morals uh, not not on any other topic but uh and this is the the authority of Pope that we believe has been handed down uh, from Saint Peter, uh, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth, shall lose in heaven. This was from Saint Matthew. That we, we Catholics, uh, believe that this is the succession from Peter right up to Pope Francis today. Two hundred and sixty-six uh, different popes uh yeah, thank you.
2: Well, good to also see that um, as Bishop was sharing, uh, uh, Pope Francis, uh, as, as a Pope who's he's got a chair, who is up there, who is far from everyone, you know, all of us, as we can see him. But uh, I think Archbishop has seen him, have approached him, have held his hands, and a few times at least an audience with him. And he would have shared, you know, and he always mentions another you know, bishop, he's also bishop of Rome, and you are a brother, a brother to him. So the other bishops around the world are brothers, you know. So that's, that's interesting, that brings us much more closer, instead of far, to see him as brother to my bishop. And uh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, thanks, Bishop. Um, I would like to expand from here into some celebrations and, and life in the church. Now that we have looked at Rome, we've seen celebrations in Rome, even we have here in our local churches in, in, in Guadalupe and in so many parishes. To Father William, could you tell us how do we really celebrate, uh, especially when it comes to sacraments in the church, and how is this found in the Bible, or where can I really draw some meaning in briefly,
4: Father? You're sure, Father. Thank you. Uh, if I may, just to go back to the question that Archbishop had answered, uh, not the the one just now, but on on the rights. On the right, I just found my note. Uh, there are five rights uh, in the Eastern Church. There are five rights. If I may just name them, uh, the first one is the Alexandrian right. The Alexandrian right. Uh, then we have got the Antiochian right. Antiochian right. Then we have got the Byzantine or Byzantine Rite. rite. Then we have got the Chaldean Rite, the Chaldean. And finally, the Armenian Rite, Armenian. And uh, these five rites are what we call liturgical rites. Liturgical rites uh, where the 23 self-governing Eastern churches, they follow in their celebration. So coming back to the question that was asked by Father George to me. just to begin with, what is a sacrament? Yeah, what is a sacrament? The word sacrament comes from the Latin word, comes from the Latin word, uh, sacramentum, which simply means a solemn oath, a solemn oath, a sacred oath, a sacred oath, yeah? or a ceremony uh, that that imposes an obligation, that imposes an obligation. For example, by virtue of our baptism, we, you know, we, uh, we have, uh, we receive this indelible character, this permanent mark, uh, this permanent mark. So it specifically refers to the oath of obedience. A bit of history here. Yeah? A bit of history. Uh, uh, it basically refers to the oath of obedience and fidelity taken by the ancient Roman soldiers so bishop kind of explained earlier uh, bishop uh, explained about roman church uh, roman pontiff uh, so uh, it's the fidelity or the oath taken by the roman soldiers to the emperor to the emperor on their enlistment so uh, today the church uses the term or rather yeah, uh, the church uses the term in reference to the mysteries of the church uh, the mysteries of the church yeah Let me explain. This is because the church believes that the sacraments were given by God. It is given by God and therefore to be considered sacred, something holy and not something that comes from human beings. Sacraments are one of the ways, one of the main ways, main ways rather, that God tangibly, tangibly makes himself present to his people. God makes Himself present to His people, to His followers, uh, by way of sacraments, uh, in the through the celebration of the sacraments, and shares His grace with them, the followers. There are seven sacraments in the Church, uh, namely baptism, the first sacrament, which we call the doorway, the, or the gateway to the sacraments. Yeah, the gateway to the sacraments. Then confirmation. Uh, which is conferred by bishops. Then we have the Holy Eucharist, confession, commonly known as reconciliation. Uh, then we have got marriage, the sacrament of marriage, sacred orders, conferring the three orders, uh, diaconate, the priesthood, as well as the episcopate. And finally, the uh, sacrament of the anointing of the saints, uh, the sick, sorry, the anointing of the sick. And what is the purpose of the sacrament is basically, as I said, to make holy, to make holy the members of the church, to build up the body of Christ. And most importantly, to it's a means to give worship to God. There was also a second question kind of like attached to the question that was asked by Father, whether they are connected to the Bible, whether they are connected to the Bible. Uh, They are not specifically mentioned in the Bible. Yeah. They're not specifically mentioned in the Bible. But all of them uh, are instituted by Christ. uh? They were instituted by Christ. And how did he do that? By his words and his actions. As found, his actions as found in the Bible. Christ prepared and announced, yeah, Uh, as we see in the Gospels, what he was going to give the church. The church, huh? when his mission on earth was accomplished. So the words, the words and actions of Jesus, which lay the basis or the foundation for the sacraments. I hope I've answered the question, Father. Mentioned about celebrating, celebrating life
2: meaningfully. We see the churches today when we go around, other than people inside celebrating, we also meet people, making some uh, parades. Sometimes we have some processions of Our Lady, Mary. Especially in Catholic churches, we see a statue of her or a grotto. I would like to pose a question to your Grace Archbishop Julian. What is the importance of Mary and the role of saints in the Catholic Church? Uh,
3: Thanks, Father George. Uh, I think I'd just like to make clear that uh, the first part, I think, of our conversation today was on Christianity. But uh, these last couple of questions, I think we are talking a bit more on, on the Catholic faith. Uh, just to, to be clear to our listeners, uh, what we are sharing is the more on the Catholic faith rather than Christianity in general. So, uh, Mary, as, as, as you all know, has a special place in the Catholic Church because she's the mother of Jesus and Jesus was God. So we believe she is the mother of God. And and we believe that, uh, to make it clear, we do not worship Mary. Mary is a human person, a human being, and only God is worshiped. But we respect her. We respect her as, as, as the mother of Jesus and in, in, in association, therefore, the mother of God. So, uh, as I said, yeah, she has a special place in the, in the church. She being the Theotokos, the bearer of Christ, the first dwelling place of God, uh, of, of Jesus in, in the world. And she would probably be the first disciple also. She was there at his birth. He was there throughout his life, and at the foot of the cross. And we know that great pieta, the holding of Jesus in Mary's arms when he was taken down from the cross. So she's the disciple par excellence. Um, yeah, um, I know time is running out. Uh, perhaps yeah, we could we could speak on things more. Yeah, Mary is very close to us. We could speak about her the whole night, but I think <laughs> we'll do justice also to this topic. Maybe, uh, yeah, just to speak on the other the other questions yes. that we have. To... Thank you.
1: Thank you, Your Grace. Uh, yeah, a lot of time is actually is uh, scarce, but uh, all the same, we will try to answer a few more questions. Maybe, uh, Father William. Uh, something to do with practice of faith and abstinence which also practiced other religions. during the season of Lent maybe you could share with us a little bit why do Catholics practice fast and abstinence during the season of Lent?
4: Uh, uh, Lent is a 40-day period as uh, Bishop I think said earlier which uh, to prepare us basically to celebrate Easter which is the resurrection of Christ and uh, why do we fast? Uh, why do we practice fast and abstinence? It's basically Catholics are aware of the uh, importance of fasting and abstinence. This is basically to prepare us, uh, to prepare us spiritually, spiritually, and also mentally uh, to celebrate the pastoral mystery, uh, which is the passion, death, and resurrection. Um, that is why we begin the season of Lent on Edge Wednesday when we sign ourselves uh, with atheist, where which is basically a common biblical sign of repentance and mourning. So basically, Lent is a time when Catholics reflect seriously on their sins and ask forgiveness from God. Okay. Uh, just to answer okay. the question.
2: Good, good, Father. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, thanks, Father Xavier, that uh, we, we are three fathers here with Archbishop, you know. It's good to know people are asking, hey, why do I need to call you father? Uh, is there a, a special meaning for it? Perhaps uh, I would like to pose this question uh, to both of you, Archbishop and Father William. Archbishop was also a father like us before became bishop. And then perhaps you're also good to touch on this, why a father? And the father is also coming from family and so give us a little Catholic view or a Christian view of marriage and, and family as well together. A- one of you, Father and uh, Archbishop,
3: Father William, you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'll just yeah. I guess we are a fatherly figure. Uh, we are we are father in the church, priest. Uh, there, there is also this in 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 the in the Bible also. Uh, the rabbi, religious leaders, uh, teachers. I guess uh, this word "father" has that connotation—a uh, spiritual father, a priest. Uh, we are we are known as fathers, um, as as I guess also reflecting Christ. Uh, we are Alta Christus when we celebrate. the 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 liturgy the eucharist um we represent christ and uh in all our dealings we try to imitate him and this fatherly role i guess we play in the parish um and also in the community um well yeah i think a a simple layman's answer uh, we are called father
1: Yeah, uh, very interesting. Grace, we were talking about so much about uh, the two two different types of uh, faith life, both of the other uh, Christian denominations and Catholics. Uh, Since time is not permitting much. Maybe we could just focus on this uh, understanding of uh, ecumenism and uh, charitable works of different people involved, you know, different uh, faith people involved a little bit on ecumenism and charitable works of all the different uh, uh, church faiths that are involved you know maybe you could chat that a little bit if you had time we go back to the questions that people have asked otherwise we will uh, round up with this maybe you could share a little bit on ecumenism and these things yeah
3: Uh, yeah we live in malaysia i think it is very important that we have this series of understanding religions especially within our own country uh, very good effort and what do we do uh, I think we need to have more of these understanding each other's faith and not just on the intellectual level but in practical things are we coming together are we working together are we and I like to just highlight maybe two, two, two items uh, um, the recent Malaysian solidarity fund uh, where twenty NGOs from different faith faith groups, uh, uh, from the Muslims to Christians to Buddhists to other denominations and also uh, different faiths NGOs, we came together to to raise funds for for our medical uh, healthcare, which were in need of, of equipment. So that was one, I think, project that we could see uh, interfaith, interfaith uh, working. Uh, people from different faiths coming together for a common purpose, uh, working hand in hand, and uh, for for the benefit of the country, for the nation. And ongoing now is the another another project. Among the Christians, that he opened a little quarantine hotel down here in Central Market, um, where different denominations ecumenism at its at its best. Also, working together with uh, doctors, volunteers from different faiths, and also I believe uh, the Buddhist doctors also join in. Suci uh, also part of the interfaith. Uh, Solidarity Fund, they also chipped in and, and volunteered some of their doctors. So I believe uh, when we understand each other better through these kinds of uh, talks, sessions, many prejudices are, are, are lessened, are broken down, and more trust can be built. And in fact, I think we are all together in this same boat. We are all journeying together. And I think Malaysia needs to see more uh, coming together of interfaith and even uh, among our own Christians, ecumenism. Um, And there are so many groups, uh, so many within each of our churches also. In the Catholic Church, we have the St. Vincent de Paul, we have uh, Ministry to the Poor, we have our Integral Human Development. We have the Food Banks recently. Uh, so many so many other uh, organizations that we visit the sick. We visit the hospitals, our Catholic Church, and also many churches have set up schools, hospitals. So these are the things I believe um, can bring people together and we can uh uplift society also. Uh sorry for being a bit long-winded. Uh back to you, uh Father Xavier.
1: Yeah, Bishop uh, along that line, as you were just sharing, uh, would that also mean that interreligious engagement is important <laughs> based on what you have just shared? What you have just shared, would that be also the reason that this would be one of the reasons that you could
3: y- yes uh Sorry, Father William or myself.
1: You, you, since you are sharing on that.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, so people ask, why do we need to have interreligious dialogue, interreligious uh, engagement? I guess it's it's this uh, fourfold uh, dialogue that we we as 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 Christians or as Catholics are asked to to promote in our life. The dialogue of life, where where people come together, we live in this inter inter uh, interfaith different faith groups living side by side. I think it's it's part of this sharing our human struggle, our human challenges together. Uh, this dialogue of life that we do uh, day in day out, and of course the dialogue of action, where we. As Christians I think we must also collaborate work with others as I mentioned through integral human development um, to do things together to raise to try to raise the the standard of living Um, we also have like what we are doing perhaps the dialogue of religious um, now we are doing doctrines and all but also religious experience Uh, where we respect religious traditions, sharing the different spiritual experiences uh, when we come together to pray together, to to look for the divine, look for God, the absolute around us. And also, I think, the dialogue of theological exchange, uh, perhaps among scholars, among theologians, to, to look at our respective religious heritages and uh, to appreciate each other's spiritual values. And I think there are many commonalities in our, in our spiritual uh, uh, traditions too. So to build up what is common, to, to, to strengthen what is common among all faiths. And after all, we are all one human race and i think it's important that we engage and we we dialogue with one another uh, father william may want to add, add a few more things
4: yeah. no i think bishop pretty much covered everything no <laughs> <laughs> i think uh bishop said one word
1: which i like look for the divine he said look for mm. the divine i think that is the commonality among all of us the very very fact religions exist is simply to become holier and more divinity be involved, I mean, be brought into our life. And I think that is a beautiful commonality that all of us can engage in every action that we do towards the other fellow man, like what Father has said in the moral code, he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And precisely that is what we are engaging ourselves in. And I think on that basis, I think it is, it is a joy. It's actually an exciting thing to be able to reach out to the other rather than be closed up and just looking at myself, my kind, but reach out to the other, the other kind, and uh, that's the most beautiful thing. I think that what Jesus meant in all his uh, works and his teachings. Uh, that's wonderful. What Bishop has just said. Maybe Father George, you would like to. I don't know whether Father George is online or he's. Uh, he's not there. At the moment Father George is yes. not there. He's yeah. frozen. Yeah. He's frozen. <laughs> he just appeared, <laughs> disappeared again. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think time is running out. We have to finish at the moment i think uh, yes we have a lot more to share i'm sure a lot more uh, questions people will have i think two people have asked but we are truly sorry we cannot uh, entertain all of you because time factor maybe another time we could meet up to engage ourselves in this kind of rich conversations among ourselves but for now i think uh, this is what uh, within the time otherwise you know you have already we have already taken more than one and a half hours, almost. So you will be tired. Some of you may not have taken your line at dinner, and so I think we will uh, call it a night. But before we call it a night, I think uh, tonight being the last episode, I think you will be patient enough to uh, stay on a little while more. Uh, maybe Father George is back. Maybe he will say a few words before we we call it a night. Father George, since you are back. Are You there?
2: Yes, I'm here. Okay, can you hear me? Yes, can. Okay, good. Uh, I think in our sharing, so one thing I was uh, really thinking of the many experiences that I had while I was there uh, involved in CFM as well as the MCC BCHSD, as I mentioned in the beginning, uh, the bishop is also very much involved, and uh, several priests are also the team here in Malaysia. We are engaging with people of other faith in Malaysia as well as among the uh, Christians, uh, the different churches and, and groups when you come together. We celebrate life. We respect each other. We are dialoguing as well as um, we are going uh, further. We are going forward, moving forward in, in hope to build bridges with people of other faith as well as among us Christians. And so this is what we are really witnessing, we are living, and we are sharing. And I hope that uh, really this could be a little platform for us to go on uh, throwing the seeds, seeds of love, life, and and peace. hope uh, this discussion today uh, would be a good start for all of us uh, and as well as the viewers, many people of uh, friends of other faith as well as Christians who are out there. Yeah, really hope and pray. Thank you for for those uh, sharings, Bishop, as well as Father William, Father Xavier. Over to you.
1: Yes. Thank you for the George. I think big last evening of the seven-week series. I think we owe a big thank you to so many people. Just give us a few minutes to say a word of thanks to all these wonderful people who have been behind the scene as well. Beginning with the Catholic podcast, because. Uh, and then uh, Catholic Podcast has been the podcast that we have been using as our uh, to write on our program. Mark, who has been the backhand for providing all our technical assistance in the production of e-banners. And Alex for his technical assistance as well. Alex has been in uh, with us also. Father Clarence for kindly consenting for us to use Catholic Podcast to carry our conversations and for being the moderator in four of our sessions. Father Christopher Bilbraj for the conversation on Buddhism for the michael Chua for taoism and uh, i would also like to say a word of thanks to amia members especially to uh, charlotte and each member of the amia team we are a family amia members congratulations to you for putting all your efforts in making this reality a success thanks to amia for our moderator tonight father george harrison who kindly consented to moderate tonight, though he has been given a short notice, but he agreed in spite of the little cliche with the uh, problem of uh, the connection, he has been with us. Thank you, Father George. We meet soon. Father Michael, our canonist and judicial Vicar for the night, all the beautiful sharings. William William Michael, William Michael, (laughs) sorry, William Michael. And our our most reverend, I'm pretty excited, I think. Pretty excited that uh, so much to share that we cannot afford the time. Most Reverend Julian Liao, beloved Archbishop of the Archdiocese of Kuala Lumpur, to all of you, a big thank you. And congratulations to all you viewers from all faiths and walks of life, as Father George has said just now, especially to those of you who have followed us from segment one to segment seven. You have been awesome. The last one tonight. And uh, we want to wish you well and continue this search, as Bishop has just said just now, and Father William has also said, love one another, love God, and and when you love God, you love the other. And that is the beautiful message that we can carry with us. And uh, before we conclude for the evening, I invite Archbishop Julian to conclude with a prayer of, uh, of unity and harmony for all of us. Over to Archbishop Julian.
3: Thank you, uh, thank you, Father Xavier, Father George, Father William. Uh, yeah, let us just bow our heads in prayer as we as we offer up this prayer, this last day of our understanding world religions, to the hands of God. So, dear Heavenly Father, we conclude the topic of christianity today and i want to thank you for the word your word that you have given us in the holy scriptures to edify us to give us comfort to tell us the stories of your love for us we are grateful to you for this holy book and more importantly the relationship we have with you, our Creator. And as Christians we are grateful to, to you Lord for giving us so many diverse, colourful and interesting people, Christians, denominations to help us to be, to embrace one another, our different uh, beliefs, with also the interfaith, the different faith groups that are in our beloved country. You have given us all this variety of peoples, of faiths, of denominations, to show us how great you are, How diverse you are and how each one has a place in your kingdom as long as we search as long as we are open to finding truth in our search and so i ask almighty god to bless to be with all of us especially in this trying times to be with all malaysians and everyone who is struggling in this difficult moment to experience the divine in your own traditions, in your own faith, and that we can find comfort in one another too, as we journey together, as this invisible virus has taught us the importance of coming together as one humanity to overcome all challenges. And i ask almighty god to bless each one of us each one of you in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen
1: thank you your grace
3: thank you uh, before,
1: we, before we end uh, just one little announcement this coming saturday there's a session on death through a nun this is the one death row nun saturday 9th october 10 30 a.m so kindly tune in those of you who have the time to watch this interesting program Thank you very much once again and good night and God bless. Take care, Bishop. Good well.
3: night, good night thank
1: everyone.
4: Thank you, thank you, thank you.